welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. With our few precious moments remaining, I want us to turn our attention, if we can, to the word this morning. I want us to just take a, t- take a, a, a short time and just peek into the Holy Scriptures and look at a story that we've heard regularly, but, but I believe to every story there's always another angle. I, I, I've made this statement before, um, but I always find it to be accurate. If we read the Bible through one lens, then we're only going to be able to see it from one angle. That would be like watching a movie with only one camera used to film the entire thing. That POV would get pretty boring pretty quickly. I got to have some edit points. I got to have some different cut points. I got to be able to gather as much content of what's going on in that situation so that I can grasp and get hold of what it is that the writer wants us to be able to see and receive. And so in Matthew's gospel, we have a story that I want us to look at this morning. Uh, We're going to be turning over to chapter 17. We're going to read some some, uh, lines of text starting in verse 14 this morning. And I want to preface this. I want to talk to you a little bit about faith today. Is that okay? That should be yes, absolutely. You know why? Because I'm not content until everybody walks out of this place this morning with their miracle. And there's some things that I believe the enemy has tried to put in your path and in your way to keep you from being able to see the hand of the Lord upon your life. But the hand of the Lord is upon your life. You're not here by accident or mistake, but you're here with purpose in mind. And the Lord, through the purpose that he's assigned to your life, wants you to be able to possess the promises, the plans, the miracles, the things that he has made available. And so I'm not content. By you walking out of here and saying, well, maybe next week. I want you walking out of here today saying, yes, Lord, I receive it. It's mine in the mighty name of Jesus, in faith. So we got a passage here. Lord, drop this in my heart as we've been teaching on good ground. And I want to I look at this this morning. For the Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 14, And when they had come to the multitude... A man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you bring him here to me and Jesus rebuked the demon we could stop right there any demons that need to be rebuked today (laughs) I'm talking about some spirits that are trying to get in the way of you being able to possess what the Lord has for you some things that need to be rebuked off your life and out of your life today. We could, just, we could just take it right there. Jesus brought some quick correction. A rebuke is to correct and redirect, by the way. And there's some things that's try to come against your life that you need to quickly correct it and redirect it somewhere else and say, not me. 
I'm called to be prosperous. I'm called to be blessed. I'm called to do great and mighty things in this earth. But Jesus, he rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we not cast it out? Verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. I'm going to say that again. Nothing will be impossible. Sounds like a broken record play. I said nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Father, again, we give you this time together this morning. We ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts, open up our ears. Father, open up our spirit that we can receive the word of God that is living, that is breathing, that it is live and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, let it pierce our hearts this morning that we can see what we haven't seen, we can hear what we haven't heard, so that we can do what we have not done. In faith today, Father, let the implanted word Lord, take root into the ground of our heart. God, we give you glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen Amen. and amen. I want to take some time and unpack this text a little bit. Because what we have going on here is a very interesting situation. Jesus has just come down from the Mount Transfiguration by which he was with Peter, James, and John. And so Jesus is coming down with, with, with these three disciples. And when they get to the bottom of the mountain, we've got an interesting uh, scene that is at hand. Because the remaining nine disciples are in discussion with some Pharisees. And the discussion that what we t- come to find out in, in the book of Mark chapter 9, if you're taking notes, write that down, but read it later. This is the same story that's also written in Mark 9. But in Mark 9 gives us great detail to what the discussion is. And the discussion that they're having is they are arguing about who is the greatest. Who's the greatest? Who's the goat in this situation right now? Jesus is not around. Peter, James, and John aren't around. So who is the greatest right now? It's funny. Some of us, we get into arguments with one another trying to figure out who's better, who's better, who's better, rather than just staying focused on what the Lord has given you, staying in your lane and knowing that you're just destined for greatness based upon how the Lord's created you. But we get so caught up with what other people are doing that we forget the very assignment that the Lord has placed in our Who cares about who's the greatest? Jesus is the greatest. Now, he says that we can do greater works, but he is the greatest. But these guys are getting into an argument right now. And in the middle of this argument, there is a father who has a son, to which we find out later he's demon-possessed, but the disciples do not know that he's demon-possessed. For the Bible says in the book of Matthew that he's an epileptic, or at least that's what they think is the cause of the situation. So the disciples are now trying to respond to this father's request and they're praying for the son but they're praying a prayer of healing because the bible says that as the father came to jesus that the disciples could not cure him the word cure means to heal so they had faith in the sense that they wanted to see the boy heal but what they did not realize is that beneath that situation there was something greater that was at hand and that was that the son needed deliverance have you ever had such faith 
for what you were believing for, but you had it pointed in the wrong direction. I'm talking about, oh, I've got faith for this, but the problem wasn't the healing, the problem was deliverance. Oftentimes, it's not healing that needs to take place, it's deliverance, and healing is the result of the deliverance. Okay, let's get into this thing a little bit deeper. So as the disciples are trying to minister to this young boy, their faith is just hitting a wall, hitting a wall, hitting a wall. Nothing's changing, nothing's happening. They're getting frustrated. Meanwhile, they're there contesting with one another about who is the greatest, who can get this demon out of this, or or who can get this, this boy healed right now, who can resolve this matter, and their faith was purely in their flesh. Jesus shows up on the scene, and the father comes to Jesus and says, I begged your disciples, I implored them, but they could not do nothing to cure him. And Jesus responds, oh, faithless and perverse generations. Now, I love this passage because Jesus says, you faithless perverts. <laughs> At least that's how I read it. And it makes me laugh. The 16-year-old boy in me just starts to get a chuckle when I read that. But the word pervert means to oppose or go against its original design. And while we take the word perversion or pervert and we put it in a sexual context, the reality is the word pervert means to go against its original design. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's not saying that you don't have faith. He's saying that your faith is inconsistent because you're going against my purpose. You say, how are they going against my purpose is because the disciples' faith was in their flesh and it wasn't according to the kingdom. And so consequently, no power was taking place to see this boy's life changed, set free, delivered, and healed. And so we see the frustration, but Jesus shows up and he says, you inconsistent group of people, you inconsistent disciples, you're going against my purpose and my plan of how this whole thing works. Bring the boy over here. And he rebukes the demon That was inside of the boy setting him free. Interesting fun fact, King James notes that the boy is not epileptic, but the original King James calls him a lunatic. The word luna, it comes from the the Latin translation just lune, which we get from the Spanish word luna, which means moon. And the idea was that every time there was a full moon, that someone that was crazy would get crazier. And so they would call him a lunatic where the word comes from and so they're sitting here looking at this boy and he's a lunatic he's seasoned he's foaming at the mouth he also has a mute spirit so he can't speak but he's acting all crazy and no one knows what to do on the scene but Jesus rolls in and he discerns and identifies the spirit that's at work he rebukes it the boy is set free and he's healed but that's not what I want to focus on for our time together this morning I'm just giving you the context the Bible says then that the disciples went away privately with Jesus, and they said, Jesus, why did this not work? We were just in a big public setting. We were doing what we thought we were supposed to do. Oh, can I ask you, have you been doing what you thought you were supposed to do, and it just hasn't been working? You've just been running into walls, running into walls. Why is this mountain not moving? I'm running into walls. Why is the situation not changing? I'm running into walls, and I get tired, and I get weary, and I'm hoping that something's going to change, but I just keep running into walls. And here's the disciples, and they're saying, why did we fail? And I appreciate Jesus because 
Jesus has a private discussion. He says, this is a closed Facebook group right now. The rest of the world's not going to be able to see what we're about to discuss and what I'm about to show you. And so let's talk about it. I'll tell you why you failed. I'll tell you why this didn't work. And so Jesus begins to take them to school. Can I encourage you for a second? Because when we come together Sundays, this is beautiful in a public setting. But when you want to get down to the real nitty gritty ins and outs of the word of God, you got to go to school. Oh, we all want to receive the word publicly because it's great and I feel all excited. But when I leave from here, it's not until I was willing to sit and be a student of the word that I understand the context in which how the Lord wants me to live my life consistent with the kingdom. People tell me, I just need a word. No, you don't need a word. You have a word. You need to sit there and study that word and allow it become your life. Going around, I got... 20 different pastors on Instagram. You got 20 different pastors giving you words and you're wondering why your life is all confused, why your life is all a mess because you have not allowed yourself to be postured with one voice for your life. Now, I'm not saying that to puff up my ego. What I'm saying is, is that you need to submit yourself to a word and allow it to be the word that gives you life. Allow that word to become the living word that you can grow, that you can develop, that you can allow to lead you to the to the, to, to the purposes and the plans and the places that God has in accordance to how he wants you to live. Because I'll, I'll, I'll hear one person online, but if I, if, I, if I don't like everything that they said, then hopefully I can fill in the blanks with another person. And there's confusion in the body of Christ, and God's not the author of confusion. So Jesus says, this is a closed group right now. Let's go to work. Let's, go, let, let, let's, let's have class right now. And so he begins to teach them this passage in verse 20. He says, it's because of your unbelief, your inconsistency. Assuredly, I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Can we talk about the mustard seed for a moment? Because Jesus is giving them the very clarity in which they are asking, why did it fail? And he says this. He says it's because you need to have faith as a mustard seed. Now, I have heard a lot of teachings on mustard seed faith. And oftentimes, what we do is we take the teaching or the thought on mustard seed faith and we only focus it in regards to the size of a seed if only you have the size of a mustard seed faith but I'm here to tell you this morning there's more than the size of the seed that matters when it comes to a mustard seed the Bible says in Mark's gospel as Jesus is talking about the importance of seed Mark's gospel chapter 4 he says this is that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now I am talking about size for, for a moment. And I want you to see this here. But he says this. He says, well, how should I liken the kingdom of God? What parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed. When it is sown into the ground, it is smaller than any of the other seeds. So Mark's gospel is talking about the fact that the size of the mustard seed is what we need to focus on. And when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes greater than all the other herbs. So I want to bring some, some, some clarity to this. If this is not a mustard tree, this is a mustard plant because he says it grows larger than all the other herbs. Herbs. 
herbs. Herbs is for fruit producing. Herbs is, is, is to produce some type of crop. We're not talking about trees right now, okay? He's talking about this plant. Now, a mustard plant has the potential to grow nine feet tall, 40 feet wide. And this is why he goes on and he says that the birds can nest in its branches because it is so long. But he's talking about in Mark's gospel, chapter 4, he's saying that it's the size of the seed first. That even this tiny little seed that when it's planted and it takes a root, it can produce a tree that's, or a, a plant that is greater than all other plants. And this is important because a mustard seed has the potential to go deep into the ground with its roots. But Jesus uses this as an illustration to say that the, that, that the branches can also go wide on the plant. And he says, how shall we liken the kingdom? And he says, we liken it like a mustard seed. And so what we understand is that if the mustard seed is the equivalent to the kingdom, the kingdom not only goes deep, but it also goes wide. The kingdom is not meant just to go deep within you, but it's also to be all around you. That everywhere that I walk and everywhere that I step, that I'm living my life according to the kingdom culture. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the kingdom that I should be dwelling in, abiding by, living in, operating in, should be one that in everything that I'm saying and doing and living by, it's righteousness. I'm right before the Lord. I'm close to the Lord. It is, it is peace. It's that I'm in harmony with God. And it's joy that I'm living my life in expectation that the Lord shall increase me, that the Lord shall prosper me. Now, I taught this on Wednesday night, but if you missed this, the word joy means to live in a state of expectation in which you will prosper and have victory. Joy is not based on your circumstance. Happiness is. Joy is a posture that I'm saying, even if it looks like all hell is breaking loose, I'm standing firm with expectation that my God will work it all together. That's joy. I don't like the way that they treated me. It's not a matter how they treat you. It's you staying in a state of expectation that the Lord will pull it all together. God, you prosper me. God, you increase me. And so there's this kingdom living that's not just deep, but it's also meant to be wide and around you. And so Jesus says that the seed is likened to the kingdom. And it's the smallest of seeds. All you need is just a, a little bit of the kingdom planted for the kingdom to flourish. But now we find out in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is not directly stating the mustard seed as the kingdom, he's saying mustard seed as faith. If you want to take notes on this this morning, there's five scriptures that talk about mustard seed in the Bible. Three of them is the same parable in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And two of them in the Bible deals with this one situation with the boy that we're reading about. And in the book of Luke chapter 17. See, in the book of Luke chapter 17... The disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. Jesus' response was not, okay, I'll increase your faith. Jesus' response was, have faith as a mustard seed. He didn't say have faith the size of a mustard seed. He said have faith as a mustard seed. So you got to understand something is that when a mustard seed is sown, it immediately takes root into the ground. Now faith is. Now faith is. 
It immediately takes root and it begins to grow. It begins to develop roots, begin to plant itself. In fact, a mustard seed can produce a tree or a plant, excuse me, a plant within seven to 10 days. That's how fast mustard seeds work. And so Jesus is saying, if you have faith as a mustard seed, they said, but increase. He said, you'll need to increase what you have is all that you need. See, some of you are thinking, in order for me to obtain big miracles, i got to have big faith. No, all you need to know is that the faith that you have is more than enough. There is potency in your faith. There is power in your faith. Any bakers in the room this morning? So in our house, we, we bake different things. When I say we, my wife, she bakes great things. And I'm always warned if I'm going to assist her when it comes time to take out the vanilla extract, all you need is one to two drops because too much will overtake the entire uh, 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 thing that is being baked. Now, I'm saying this on purpose is because some of you think that I don't have enough faith. No, the faith that you have is more than enough. And the Lord knows that if he were to increase your faith like the disciples asked, you would just detonate the entire planet. And he ain't going to let you have that level of faith because you're going to do something reckless. He says, what you have is potent enough, it's powerful enough, it's all that you need to move your mountain. Y'all remember the movie Men in Black? Remember when, a when he became Agent J? And he got on the black suit and he was getting ready to arm himself with some weaponry and what did, what did he get? He didn't get no big old space gun. He got what was called the noisy cricket. It was the smallest of all the, 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 the weapons that they had, but it produced the most significant, powerful punch. Some of y'all just need to know your faith is like a noisy cricket. <laughs> something so small can do something so powerful. Don't minimize your faith. It's powerful. It's potent. Here's an interesting fact about a mustard tree or a mustard plant. I keep saying mustard tree because there is such thing as a mustard tree, so forgive me, but Jesus is using the idea, the illustration of a mustard plant. When a mustard seed is sown and the plant begins to produce, it grows so rapidly, so quickly that anything else in, in, in its perspective location, it will overtake. In other words, if there is other plants, even if there is other trees, that mustard plant will override that ecosystem and it will drive out all other vegetation, plants, and crops that's all around it. So Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can tell that mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted into the seed. Jesus was not making up some beautiful parable. He understood that the power of that one seed could disrupt all of the trees and all of the vegetation and the entire ecosystem around it, driving it out. That mulberry tree can literally be uprooted, and if you want it to go into the sea and be planted, so be it, because it's not going to stay where it is, because the mustard seed has driven it out. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples and he does not say faith the size of a mustard seed will move a mountain. He says faith as a mustard seed. Well, if Mark's gospel says that, that the mustard seed is likened to the kingdom, then what Jesus is telling the disciples is that faith like the kingdom, 
Faith in accordance to the kingdom, faith as sure as the kingdom can move mountains, can uproot mulberry trees. I need faith like the kingdom. I need faith in accordance, in conjunction, consistent. And that's the problem, is that we don't have consistent faith with the kingdom. And the disciples, oh, they were all spiritual, but they could do nothing about that boy. Consistent faith is more than Sunday attendance. And I love Sunday attendance, because I love worshiping with you all. You're a beautiful group of people. And I love that we get to be in the glory of the Lord together. But your faith must move past this moment when this service is concluded today. Your faith has to be moved into a daily lifestyle. That everything is you trusting and putting your confidence and your hope in the Lord. If I lost my job, I put my trust and my confidence in the Lord. But my family's put it falling apart. I put my trust and my confidence in the Lord. I got a bad report from the doctor. I put my trust and my confidence in the Lord. When I don't allow my faith to get disrupted, and the devil knows that. The devil wants you to be disrupted. And that's why Jesus puts in this passage that if you've got this kind of faith, a kingdom faith, you can move some mountains. You can tell that mountain to move from here to here. See, the mountains in your life is, is, is the things that's obstructing your view from you to be able to see where the Lord has taken you. And there's some things that have been blocking your spiritual eyes. There's some things that's probably been blocking your natural eyes. But you've got to be able to know that when I've got faith in alignment with the kingdom, I can tell that mountain, move, get out the way. Y'all want to finish it so badly, I know it. I'm not going to do it. The Spirit of God's going to run out of this place. But you hear what I'm saying is that there's some mountains that have tried to obstruct your view. But when I allow my faith to be in alignment with the kingdom, the disciples, their faith was in alignment with themselves. They were arguing about who's the greatest. They became inconsistent with the purpose of God because they were making it about themselves. And Jesus brings correction to the matter, and he says you need to have faith as a mustard seed, faith as the kingdom in accordance to the kingdom. See, the potential of the mustard seed is that it can allow that plant to grow and flourish. The kingdom, the potential of the kingdom is to flourish, but the power of the kingdom. Let me tell you, the devil's going to run scared out of his mind when he recognizes the power that you have inside of you, the power of the kingdom. The Bible says in one chapter earlier, in Matthew 16, he says to Peter, because upon your confession, right, he says, you're Christ, the son of the living God, upon this confession, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, and the keys of the kingdom I give to you now, and what you bind on earth is because it's been bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is because it's been loosed in heaven, the authority of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom is at the confession of your lips, 
Because Jesus in this passage, I want you to see this. Let's put this back on the screen. Jesus says in this passage, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he didn't say faith as a mustard seed will move the mountain. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, the trigger point to the kingdom being released in your life is in what you say. It's in what you speak. It's in what you declare. And the greatest inconsistency of believers' lives is, comes down to what you say. Because you'll say God's a good God today, but you damn him tomorrow when all hell breaks loose. Now forgive me for how I'm talking, but I'm trying to make this a reality for your life. Is because the Lord is saying, are you going to be one foot in or one foot out? Because the book of James says, if you're going to ask for wisdom, you better do it with a sure heart. You better not be wish-washy about this thing. Come to me in faith. Be consistent. Not just when I feel good because faith ain't a feeling, baby. Faith ain't a condition. Faith is a position of the heart. And I'm not going to allow anything to get my heart out of position and out of alignment because what I say matters. What I declare matters. This life that the Lord has given me, it matters. The family that the Lord has given you, it matters. And so your words override the natural because when you are speaking by the Spirit in faith, it is potent, it is powerful. What you say what you declare. And the devil wants to change the narrative that's on your lips. He wants you to get out of harmony, out of being in sync with him. And there's something about consistency, kingdom consistency. Now, I didn't give the team the, the scriptures for this this morning, but a few of these is from what I shared this past Wednesday night as we were talking about the fruit of the spirit. I was talking about peace. And peace isn't my woo-saw moment. Peace is remaining in harmony with God. Peace is remaining connected to the Lord. I got peace with God. Now, there's different types of peace, but the one that I focused on was peace with God, that I'm in harmony. I'm not allowing anything to get me out of harmony with God. The book of Isaiah chapter 57 says this. It says that the fruit of your lips bring peace. Peace, peace is the key to your healing. And so if you're not in harmony with the Lord based upon the fruit that's on your lips, you're not going to be able to have access to your healing. Say, Lord, I want you to heal me. But the Lord is saying, what are you saying? I know you want healing. That's why the Father said to, to Jesus, he says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I know you want it, but i got to get you in alignment with what's going on here. Got to be in harmony. Because when I'm in harmony, now the kingdom begins to, to, to release what it has. And my faith is the funnel from, from the unseen to the seen. My faith is the funnel from, 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 from bringing the things of the supernatural into the natural. And my lips is the trigger point. It pulls the trigger so that God can usher in the kingdom into this earth. And I share this, and I think it's, it's so beautiful, but the reason why uh, you, you receive the evidence of speaking in tongues when you get filled with the Spirit is because the Lord needs to bridle your tongue. I mean, I just, I got the Spirit of God on me, but yet you're cursing out your mouth at the same breath. The evidence of tongues is so that I can begin to utter and speak things of the Spirit. James chapter 3 says that your tongue has the potential to set fires in a forest. 
Get that tongue under control. You, what you say can be the thing that either leads you to your miracle or it'll lead you deeper into your mess. So I'm speaking life in faith. And so Jesus says that it's this faith, this faith, when you're in harmony and consistency with the kingdom, it's this faith that can tell this mountain that is in your way that you spent all this money at your VRBO because you really wanted to see a lake. You could tell it, get over here. <laughs> you can tell your circumstance, your situation. You can tell your whatever it is that you're going through. The brokenness, move. Spirit of infirmity, move. Spirit of confusion, move. Spirit of poverty, move. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not settling for this anymore. Get out the way. Move it. Get out the way. I'm not, I don't have time for this. I'm in alignment with the kingdom. I, I want your hearts to be so stirred that as you go into this, the rest of this day and into this week that you're saying, Lord, I'm in alignment with you. I think it's beautiful as I close. I think it's beautiful that Jesus used the picture of the mustard seed in relationship to faith. You don't have to have faith the size of a mountain. You just have to have faith the size of the seed. That's the potential. But the power, the power is so... As that mustard plant is, is, is growing, its roots are driving out. Isn't that amazing? Jesus comes in and he had faith as a mustard seed that drove out that demonic spirit that was messing with that boy. Your faith has the ability to drive out the things that have tried to occupy space in your purpose. Speak to your heart on this. There's things that try to occupy space in your purpose. You need to allow your faith. Say, Lord, I'm going to remain steadfast. If you put this on my heart, I'm going to remain steadfast in it. I'm remaining steadfast in your word. I'm going to remain steadfast by the spirit. I'm going to remain steadfast in everything. I'm not going to allow there to be anything to create inconsistency. This week, I charge you, change the way you speak. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.